Hey there, thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. We are talking about the issues of loneliness, isolation, and how to overcome them with true friendship and community. For more information on these and other issues, check out Jack's website at jackeason.org. Now here's Jack. So great conversation today, uh, hanging out with Jason, a good uh, pastor, friend, apologist. You may know him from uh, Stand Strong Ministries. You can Google him and he'll be all over the internet. You'll find out everything you want to know. Uh, a speaker, national speaker, addresses a lot of topics of importance that many of you maybe have come across this stuff when it comes to uh, religious freedom or maybe understanding and knowing that you can count on the Bible. Uh, great stuff. Just uh, not too far off the beaten path from where I live here in upstate uh, South Carolina. He's in the North Carolina, Charlotte area, uh, married with uh, with uh, four kiddos. I bet during uh, the COVID, how is, how's that going? <laughs> well, I mean, like we were just saying before we jumped into this interview, it's it has its challenges. It certainly does because I have a college student who's not obviously doing his classes, so he's doing them at home and just trying to get you know, our kids around and then of course cancellations, but we're making, we're making progress. I think we're now becoming expert COVID people, mm. you know what I mean? Trying to stay away from the virus, um, knowing a lot of people who've gotten it, but also just there's for a lot of people who are listening, obviously there's been a lot of disappointments and just how do you manage that with your kids? And so we're yeah. just trying to make the best of it. You, you were talking about, um, what uh, some churches are, are doing. And, and uh, I had a friend of mine telling me this week, he said, you know, being, being a pastor during uh, the pandemic for every year of the pandemic, it's like seven years of real pastoring. It's kind of like dog years. I'm like, oh, I believe it. I believe yeah. it. How, how are you guys doing? What are you seeing with, with, uh, with your folks that's kind of, kind of navigating all this stuff? Well, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's, you know, it depends too. Uh, what part of the country you're in. Obviously, very dense populations. I have traveled still a lot during COVID and, uh, you know, still engaging pastors. You know, obviously they are shut down, so you're not going to see the crowds that you normally would see. Um, but it's it's very difficult, you know, because like you said, you know, you have people who, you know, people who are have a higher propensity for, you know, catching something you know, more susceptible, they're going to take action, obviously, and mm -hmm. they're not going to be around, you know, uh, larger populations. But the sad thing is for that, that majority of people, for pastors and people in general, you don't get to engage or talk to them. I mean, since COVID's hit, we've had multiple people, Jack, I'm sure like with even you, who have gone to the hospital, but you can't go see them mm, because of yes. the restrictions. Yep. You know, I'm, we're actually going to go travel to California. So pray for me, going to liberal country. And then from California, going to go to Arizona, where I'm originally from, to see family, you know, on both sides for Thanksgiving. And, you know, I'm going to see my grandmother, who's in her 90s, and she, of course, is in, in, in a care facility. And you only have 15-minute visitation with her, you know, with plexiglass. You can't touch her. And that's been like that for six-plus months. And I was just talking to my father wow. the other night, and he says, I've seen her several times a week for months now during covid and he says it pains me because it's only 15 minute increments. Mm -hmm. They won't budge on any of that. And I've not touched my mother in months. Yeah. And there are things wow. when she need, you wow. can tell when you just want to hug someone, love someone and, or help her up or whatever, or hold her hand and walk her back to her room. You can't do any of that. Mm -hmm. And he said it, it's sometimes I don't want to see her because of it. So, you know, it's like, how do you, mm. how do you deal with this? It's, I, mean, I think some people are, are we're trying to figure it out, but it's, it's becoming, I think, stressful for a lot of people. Yeah. 
you you have written a lot of books and and uh there's a there's uh, of the many that you've written there's a couple that i think are really um appropriate uh topics for what we're seeing going on in our country right now even with uh uh, what I'm what I am going to say and hope and believe in my heart is the end of the pandemic. I'm hoping that we are at the end uh, of this thing. Uh, but while we're talking today, we're kind of still still in it, and and we're seeing a lot of different reactions. We were talking earlier about some of the older folks, at least in my church, have jumped right into social media and, and technology and have said, you know, we want to stay connected. Um, there's a large generation, Gen Z, millennials, and younger. You're talking about who maybe haven't. In, in your experience even pre-COVID, what are some things that we were missing that maybe are, have even been exacerbated or the spotlight's on even more now because of COVID that we have missed as church leaders that's not engaging that generation well, the I right think, way? I think you just used the word, it's engaging. That's We just kind of assume if you see a young person around, which is very few, by the way, which is sad, you know, you and I, you know, we, we've heard the, tem- the terminology, the graying of the church. Uh, I think, but with COVID, what's exasperated the whole thing is if people didn't feel connected and people were not making the effort to reach people, to engage them, but also thirdly, equip them where they're at, Mm. then when COVID hits and things go and shut down, they're like, you know what? It wasn't really big. It wasn't really a big part of my life anyway, spiritually. And why bother then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's easier to, to start watching another pastor who I've been listening to on podcast. Again, the church is, you know, five states away. Um, and so there's that element. And then again, if they're not getting a call, if they're not reaching out to those people, then again, it's just confirmation that you didn't care for me before COVID and you don't care for me now. So, and that's what I'm actually seeing, Jack, is that this is the excuse that people are giving through COVID. But what it's doing is it's also revealing the loneliness, the despair that a lot of people we, we've always referred to it as the wounding of Christians. A lot of them are very wounded, over 76% of, of people when you survey them, pastors included, by the way, mm-hmm. um, have been wounded by people within the church. And so this has given an opportunity for people to say, you know what, I could just use this, be done with these people. And every time the government or you get another announcement, no matter where you're living around the country saying, hey, stay indoors, keep away from people, six feet, people are like, that's like, gospel to them right now right and and you and you like and to your point we have to be cautious we have to consider the people who are weak the people who are older we have to look around us and say who needs help but what that doesn't mean is that all i care about is my well-being and my family and that's it period so what we're what we're seeing now is even though people are giving online they're not serving and there are tangible needs especially when churches are not investing in the families that go to school and a lot of these kids who don't have that hot meal and they go in lockdown. So I'm hoping right now, mm-hmm. as people listen to this, that they will be not just motivated, but convicted to say, you know what, that's true. I have the toilet paper, I got food. Maybe my church is open 25% pop, you know, you know, percentage wise. Uh, we wear a mask and things are great. I'm still getting to see some of my friends, but, and we're being very cautious, washing hands, social distancing, but we cannot neglect the needs around our city and around our church. And I'm seeing a huge thing right now where a lot of young people are saying, hey, don't forget about certain people right now. Don't just keep worrying about yourself. And that's what's happening. More people are just concerned about their well-being than the well-being of, of people around them. You know, I, I, was, I was hearing you talk, just thinking of, of what maybe some practical things would be, or maybe what you've seen working in some 
churches, your church or other churches around the country, especially in the time that we're in right now for people to reach out? Um, are you, are you seeing anything where you're going, wow, that's a good idea or something that worked in your own, on, in your own church? Yeah. So what's, what's, again, it depends on the school district. And this is the other thing. If you did not have a relationship, let's say with a certain school district prior to COVID, it's going to be very difficult for you to try to build a relationship during COVID with a lot of the restrictions that are going on right now. But what is working, not just my own personal church, but what, what's happening with other churches as well is when you can work with local nonprofits that are feeding the homeless, feeding people that are uh, below poverty line, uh, not neglecting again James one twenty seven the widows and orphans type ministry. There are ways to do that. If your church does not have something like that right now, I encourage people to say, "How can we participate to start something right now?" Because this is again, whether people think this is an extreme pandemic or they think it's blown out of proportion, right? Because you and I were just talking before the interview. There's just people all over the map, right? Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, this mm. and that. The reality is, this is a crisis on so many levels. We know people who've gotten COVID. We know that 99% of people are fine. We know right now the stats as we're recording this, 250,000 people have died. We've had estimates of over 12 million people who've gotten it um, just in our country alone. But the reality is it's a crisis spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically, because there are needs that are not being met because people are not showing up. They're not there anymore. So we have to look at that. And a lot of times what we're looking at is just economically, the economic impact. But you and I, we have to talk about is the relational impact. Mm. And so what I'm seeing work is that people have to say, okay, what services do we have to either build and increase more that's going to reach a lot of these kids, again, who are not getting that, that free meal at school because it's lockdown. There are a lot of parents who, again, you have to be cautious about what, you know, what homes you can go into. And I know the, 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 the number, the ratio, but who can use my help to service their yard, to clean their house? to take care of the kids so that mom can go grocery shopping. We know also because of COVID, there has been a lot of people who've been put on furlough and then eventually have lost their job. So if you have some extra cash, find families that you can help support them to pay for their electric bill or to pay for their mortgage. And those are so good and, and so practical too, especially right now with what we're, what we're facing. I know you, um, uh, you have a new book, I think, just came out uh, called A Challenging Conversations, a Practical Guide to Discuss Controversial Topics in the Church. Uh, mask or no mask, we know that was going to be a controversial <laughs> topic. I would have put that in the chapter. <laughs> but mask it is. No mask. Are you a Christian if you wear a mask? <laughs> uh, but there are, and of course, also right now, I mean, um, the political landscape of our world, you know, with what it is, um, how is it? that we have become so, even in the church, so divisive. Is there any one or two things that you would, you would say or see or point to? I mean, I know you've written a lot over the last few years about, um, especially about our own country, uh, your book, Stand Strong America, and, and, uh, and, and Stand Strong in Your Faith, and other things within the context of our own country. Are there some things that we just why can we not get it together? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think when I got to this project a few years ago, as I was praying and talking with some colleagues and just looking at the heart of our ministry, which is reinforcing Christians to stand strong no matter the cost. So whatever that looks like on campus, you know, in a marriage where it's not you, you're you're married to a person who's not a believer, um, you know, in the workplace, or just you want to share your faith, or you want to be able to defend the faith, or you got. You know, kids who you raise, but now they're older, millennials, 
and they've abandoned the faith, you know, and how do you engage them? How do you talk to them? How do you talk to a post-Christian era? Uh, Things like that. And so when it comes to these conversations and you're looking at the case that is being laid out with the conditioning of where we're at spiritually, I'd really put it, let me say this first, and then I'll give you three components that come as a result of this. Number one, uh, primarily, uh, or let me just say this, uh, Jack, overarchingly, what you see with Christians is a lack of them walking in the spirit. There's a lack of Christians mm. who are filled with the spirit. And this is so, so important. And again, as an apologist and a philosopher, I mean, I get that we ha- we can never miss that. When we're getting into a certain discourse with someone, I don't want to lose sight where I'm just getting so intellectual with them and arguing either for God's existence or the credibility of scripture. There's a place for that. But what I'm talking about is just Christians in general, predominantly your audience, people who follow you, people that I engage with is equipping the church. That's my passion. That's my desire as a, as a shepherd. But what I see over overwhelmingly is Christians who are not walking in the spirit, Galatians 5. They're not filled with the spirit, Ephesians 5, verse 18. And so as a result of that, here are the three things I was going to mention. Number one, there's a huge growing um, fervor, I think, among Christians who are so prideful and arrogant where they're just they're like the selfish ambitions James chapter three talks about. Mm, they just care mm. about themselves and go back to what we we're just saying about COVID. We, we panic, freak out. I got to take care of my family. And yes, that's good. You and I as fathers, we got to take care of our wives. We got to love her and wash in the water of God's word, the Bible says. And as, as fathers, we're to rebuke and correct and train up our children to be there for them and not to exasperate them. And we, we know first Timothy five, eight, that we're to take care of, of the, of our household, right? Um, but you can't neglect your neighbor. So pride has consumed us to the point. You're not walking the spirit, not fill the spirit. So you don't have wisdom coming from heaven, James three. And as a result of you have these very mm-hmm. prideful, and then we use the term narcissism today. Mm-hmm. We have very narcissistic Christians today, which is an oxymoron, by the way, because our own savior Christ didn't come to be right. served, right? Matthew 20, 28, but to serve and That's to give right. his life as ransom for many. Number two, you see this growing apathy. Most people, let's be honest. I used to think, Jack, that people didn't share their faith because they didn't they didn't have the answers. They were afraid and they didn't want to lose a relationship. But you know, there's a fourth, and it's a and it's I think it's now one of the top reasons. They don't care. Yep. They don't care to share yeah. their faith. It's mm-hmm. not you know, they don't care to know what you know how to defend their faith or whatever. And Apathy has, I've just been astonished to see the growth of pride, the growth of, of uh, apathy, and thirdly, a fear. Mm. There's a fear, there's definitely a fear factor, not fear of being rejected because you said something that somebody doesn't agree with. They have fear of just being, whether you know this, being alone. So there is a fear of rejection or a fear of just where this world is going to. And they get so overwhelmed and they're filled with anxiety that they shut down. And I'm seeing that take place day after day with all the travel I've done with different denominations and talking with pastors and talking with young people and other ministries we work with. We are seeing a lack Hmm. of Christians living in the spirit. And again, pride, apathy, and fear. Wow. It, you know, um, there, there's so much, so many places we could go from that. I, n- I know you're busy, but I want to, I want to go where my grandfather would go after hearing some of those things you would say. And that is, you know, the buck stops with the leader. 
And um, for us as pastors and leaders, especially even during COVID and, and whether it's uh, staying strong in your marriage or when it comes to what you think about our country or, uh, you know, what's right, what's wrong in the culture in which we live, for us, a lot of times as leaders, uh, we don't do what we, we should do. And um, w- what are you seeing, especially in the area of something that's near and dear to my heart with, with the whole uh, problem of uh, being lonely? Uh, you know, in, in my research, obviously, the 18 to 24-year-old is a large group of people who, who would categorize themselves as lonely. Um, those maybe who have lost a spouse of 30, 40, 50 years and they find themselves widowed, that's a lonely group. Uh, everybody's probably felt lonely at some point or another. But the other group that seems to be not talked about a lot are pastors and ministry leaders who feel like they don't have anybody else to talk to. And so um, they maybe aren't quite as bold with some of those um, doctrinal things that they know in their heart they should be, you know, championing those those truths, but they don't for fear of maybe losing what they uh, perceive as the group of people in their congregation that are at least they at least they kind of are friends because I really don't have a lot of true friends. What are some things that you've learned in your experiences as um, a theologian and apologist and pastor? Uh, some tips maybe in your experience that you could share with that pastor who who feels wow of any time in our culture with everything that's going right, on right now I need a friend but I really feel alone. What are some things you've learned to to not be kind of doing life by yourself? Well, yeah, that's a that's a great question. And again, I know with our time, there's going to be restraint. So this is going to be a little bit of a watered down approach. But I think that fundamentally, uh, whoever's listening, especially if they're in ministry, or as you said, a pastor, uh, number one is they have to have time with the Lord every day, you cannot compromise at all. I tell people no matter what time zone I wake up in, no matter what God has called me to do, and I've made this commitment to my Lord and Savior, I will never go a day without talking with him and being in his word, period. So that is a non-negotiable. That is something mm-hmm. that I'm not willing to compromise in because that's that's where you start having issues immediately right then and there. Now, in the book, I deal with substance abuse, mental illness, depression, things like that. And yes, those are related to people like us who are in full-time ministry. Yep. When the other thing, by the way, let me just say this. When you track people like... Um, Carl Lentz recently with the adultery that he was caught doing the celebrity pastor at Hillsong in New York, um, you know, who baptized Justin Bieber. When you, when you look at, um, you know, Perry Noble at New Spring, alcoholism, failed marriage, things were falling apart. You know, some of the elders were noticing some, some of the concerns on both of these men. Again, there's the list goes on and on, unfortunately, but it does. You, when the guys got caught, and most of the time, let's understand, nine times out of ten, they got caught, so then they confess. So these most of these guys don't ever say, I'm drinking too much, It's I'm out of control, i got to get out of here, I'm not mm-hmm. living a life that's honorable to the Lord. And they have to take the consequences as they follow. No, a lot of times what happens is someone's going to blow the whistle, uh, or they get caught um, and red-handed. Um, but I say all that because when you do go back to their wording, Jack, when they come out with everything, then again, how sorry they are. And I'm not judging whether they're sorry or not, they're repentant or not. Mm. But what you hear, listen to them saying is, I've been, James McDonald was another one. I've been burned out for so long. You know, I, mm. I lost myself in the ministry. I became something that I abhorred. 
I never thought this was possible. I thought I had it under control. You hear a lot of excuses, but at the end of their public statement, I look at two things. One, where's the Holy Spirit in the midst of all this? Okay, most of the time we're not questioning mm -hmm. their salvation, but we should and ought to question their sanctification. Number two, what type of friends, like you just mentioned, right? Counselors, advisors, wise people that they have around their in their life. And where were those people? Mm. Why they allow this to happen? And so if somebody right now is in a situation where like, okay, I am lonely. I don't know what to do. I get it where it's difficult because I just had a colleague uh, who has a friend who is in a fairly big church and had been doing great things there. God was using this man. Well, guess what? He had suffered with mental illness. And by the way, again, I mentioned, I deal with this in my book. I don't believe that um, the, the idea that a lot of Christians say, if you have a mental illness, you just have to pray harder and it'll go away. I don't believe that. So right. we have to show more grace and understanding with these people who are suffering mentally. Um, if people want more information, they can get challenging conversations. But for this discussion alone, this pastor had already been suffering with mental illness issues. Now, was he very direct? When he went through the interview process years ago, was he very open and honest about it at the time? No, he wasn't. Should he have been? I don't know. Mm. Okay. But what I, what, what I, what it was shameful was that when he finally, during COVID with all the stuff we're talking about, they're, they're adding on to the pressure of trying to lead people who are not showing up or arguing over a mask or panicking and scared. And you can't go pray with people who need surgery, whatever the case may be. Depression's on the rise. You and I know this. It's unfortunate. He breaks down in an elders meeting and was talking about how this has flared up his mental illness and that he had to increase his medication while people were supportive. So he thought the meeting was over. He leaves, goes home, talks to his wife, says, I think the elders, I think they really understand me and they're going to be supporting me. And I think this is going to be good. Not even that Sunday before he preaches, he was fired because they wow. can't trust someone like that because of his mental problems. They're thinking we can't have somebody who they refer to as emotionally unstable to mm. lead our congregation. So I get it, Jack. There are going to be people wow. who are like, Jay, I'm that guy. But I, I, that's exactly why I don't share anything because I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. And so mm -hmm. what I think what they should do, they should talk to people like you and they should at least talk to me. And people, again, listening, if they're in ministry and they're struggling, they could draw me an email that goes to my secretary, info at stanstrongministries.org. And you know what? We take these calls. Now, I'm not a professional, um, but we've been doing this long enough to where we, we could be, we are friends to people in ministry because I think of anything, we need more men and women who are shepherding people than yeah. ever before. Right. Uh, not, not because we're in dire needs, so we just grab anybody and everybody and, and, and uh, throw them into roles they shouldn't be. Uh, pursuing in the first place. But what I'm saying is if God has qualified and called somebody, that's God's doing. And when that person hits a roadblock and they're hurting and they're struggling, you and I, because I think you and I are both in these unique positions where we come alongside these kind of people, we can help them. And I'm letting mm -hmm. people know that you're not to be alone. Now we can help you work through how you communicate that with your spouse, maybe with your team members, whatever, but you cannot keep isolated any longer because it's going to destroy you. Christianity is not meant to be lived alone. Mm, yeah. So true. Wow. Uh, thank you, man. 
so much. If you want to get in touch with Jason, there's so much more, obviously, we could talk about. Um, but for sake of time, his time and mine and yours listening, hey, go to standstrongministries.org. You can find out more information about all that Jason does. It's standstrongministries.org. You can also get connected there on social media. And as he said, if you are a ministry leader especially, uh, need somebody to reach out to, drop one of us an email, phone call, get in touch. You may say, I'm not a ministry leader, but I'm facing some of these struggles, and, and, and maybe I even need to, to figure out some tips of how to have some uh, conversations with people, loved ones, family members on some of these difficult issues. Uh, you can get his new book, Challenging Conversations, a practical guide to discuss controversial topics in the church. Uh, it's out now on uh, Amazon, I do believe, wherever books are sold, you can grab a copy. And uh, I, I have going to get my own copy. I'm sure if it's as good as Stand Strong in Your Faith and the other ones, you're going to love it. So uh, any other things you would say to folks uh, listening or watching, Jason, on how to get connected uh, with you or Stand Strong? Yeah, I mean, if they right now, if they don't even get the book and they want to learn some of these topics about mental illness, substance abuse, premarital sex, divorce and remarriage, racism, you know, politics, abortion, they can go check out challengingconversations.org and there's free videos that they, at least they can start watching those for now. And I think they'll be very helpful for your, the people listening. Awesome. Challengingconversations.org, uh, challengingconversations.org or standstrongministries.org. A couple places on the web there where you can uh, get connected and find out more about uh, what Jason's doing. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. Be sure to check out the website for blogs, videos, and more help on the issues of loneliness, friendship, and community. To get updates on the release of Jack's new book from Ravel Publishing, sign up for an email alert at jackeason.org.